Welcome to Social PR Secrets, the podcast. My name is Lisa Beyer, and I'll be your host. Today's guest is Joe Puglisi. At the time of this interview, Joe was the creative director of strategy for that awesome online publication, We All Can't Stop Reading, BuzzFeed. In this episode, he gives us all the inside secrets on how to create viral-worthy content. This episode is definitely worth listening to and also checking out the detailed show notes. Thanks for joining us and namaste. Hi, everybody. Lisa Beyer back here with another week of social media management. And this week we're focusing on social media content. And I thought the perfect guest for social media content would be Joe Puglisi. So he is the director of social, uh, director of content, director of creative strategy. Am I saying that right? Yep. You okay. got it. Yes. And um, I saw Joe speak at SMX Social last year. And hopefully you've already watched, you should have watched a couple of videos um, ahead of this interview. My favorite is Dear Kitten. And Joe is going to share with us the elements of viral worthy content. And what does that mean today? And everybody wants to go viral. So Joe, I'm going to let you take it away here and give us the one, two, three on that. Great. Just in these slides. So he's pulling up his some some slide decks now to give you some visuals on it. But like I said, my favorite video that BuzzFeed has done is the Dear Kitten, but you should have also watched the one that was the um, the, the Tide video and also the Puppyhood video. So Joe, now your, your screen share is working. I'll let you take it away. Awesome. Um, so thanks for having me. Um, as, as many of you probably know, BuzzFeed has been working on perfecting the art and science of creating shareable content. Um, and the reason that we're doing that is because we, we truly believe that um, social and, and mobile are the new distribution channels for media. And so when we're thinking about creating content to entertain people, we're thinking about those places as the new TV, newspaper, outlets that we need to populate with our content. So when we're creating things, even across the spectrum, you know, editorial or creating things for our advertising partners, we're thinking, how do we create entertaining, informative or, or uh, engaging content to exist in these distribution channels and, and to um, appeal to people where they're going to consume them. So to us, social and mobile aren't just um, new and interesting spaces. They're the place where we know that we're going to do majority of our business um, in terms of media. So to us, social and mobile are the new distribution channels. Um, and distribution is inspired by people. Uh, and when you think about the democratization of content and the way that social has allowed people to really curate what they want to see in their news feeds, you have to create something that is of real value for them. So when we're thinking about creating things, we're thinking, who would share this? Why would they share it? How would they share it? Instead of um, the, the, the usual newspaper model of think about all of the content first and the distribution later. So if you wanted to, to make this a more mathematical formula to understand what I'm talking about, um, a traditional publisher spends most of their time, I, I usually estimate 95% of their time thinking about their content, right? Their article that goes in the paper and the space that it occupies. Um, and only 5% of the time thinking about the distribution of that content, because for them, 
distribution is mechanical and linear, right? It goes, it's printed on a newspaper, goes on the newsstand, goes in a truck, goes out to, and, and you, you don't have to think about it. But um, for us, we're playing in a space where there's infinite places to put content and distribution is also infinite. And when you have this like, incredible, incredible amount of potential distribution, you have to inspire it in a way that isn't as mechanical, that isn't as linear. And so when, when BuzzFeed is creating content, and I would argue when anyone is creating good social content, they're not only thinking about if their idea is a good idea, but they're thinking about how that idea will be distributed by people. And, and the way to inspire people to distribute your content is to think of it in terms of sharing. Why would someone share your content? How would they share it? And where would they share it? So why do people share? Um, BuzzFeed has really boiled it down to three different categories of things that we consider. Uh, and, and these things aren't meant to be independent of each other. They're actually overlapping quite a bit. Uh, and this story has evolved over a number of years. Uh, and, and I'll get a little bit more into that as I explain each one. Um, but these shouldn't be super surprising to you because they are inherently the things that, that drive sharing because they're the things that inherently drive the way that we view ourselves and view our friends. Um, so when we talk about identity, you know, seeing this image of someone's left hand. If you're left-handed, this is a very strong visual cue for you. Um, emotion, seeing the cookie not be able to go into the milk is frustrating and, and really upsetting. <laughs> and that's a shared experience that people can connect with. And information, also sometimes known as utility or aspiration. Information is providing people with something that makes them look smart or um, provides them with some actionable advice to do something to better their lives. And so when you combine all of these things in interesting ways, you're creating content that people can use as communication. Uh, and, and content really gives people an ability to, to curate the world's view of them, you know? So we're, we're curating content on our end and putting pictures together and telling stories, but people are taking that content and using it as a communication device. And I think if, if you, boil down the idea of social media and what makes it so great and interesting it's that it allows you to communicate across vast spaces very quickly and that communication has become more nuanced um, beyond just language and using content itself as a tool of communication so that's what we're really thinking about when we make uh, pieces of content is how can this spark a conversation or inspire people to engage in a conversation with the content or with each other um, and so a lot of you might be saying that's really easy to do with cute pictures of cats, and sometimes it is. But I think the key is not to lean into what is popular on the internet. The key is to go one step further and figure out why those things are popular. Uh, and I think the reason is twofold, authenticity and interest. There's an authentic piece to sharing pictures of cute animals that we all love and can, can relate to. And there's that element of interest, right? People find that interesting because that is a hobby of theirs to have, have pets or, or whatnot. Um, but if you think about that, those two core principles and apply them to other things that aren't necessarily as um, internet baity of a, of a subject, then you can really create some interesting stories. And I always like to bring up this post that, that BuzzFeed did called Why I Bought a House in Detroit for $500. It's not an inherently um, viral type story, but it has over 1.5 million views. And this is a long piece too. This is a, a 5,000 plus word essay 
Um, and the reason why I think it was so successful and kept people so engaged is not because it had something that that was t the typical clickbait, um, but it had a, a very authentic voice. It was written by, this is a true story, um, and it had a level of interest that, that was really, really gripping and compelling. And even some of the uh, core principles of BuzzFeed, like write a good headline that's honest and brings you in, but really is your thesis statement that explains what you're about to experience, was really, really well done. What um, the, the headline is, is concise and to the point, but it's also a very powerful headline, I think. So it's, it's a good example of how you don't necessarily have to lean into cute cats and babies to create something truly viral. What you really need to remember is, does it have that identity piece to it or does it elicit an emotion in some way? Is it providing some interesting or actionable information? Um, and so to go to the last slide, these are the questions that um, everyone on my team asks themselves when we're creating things for our advertising partners. Uh, and across the spectrum, all, all people creating things at BuzzFeed are asking themselves this before they hit publish. And, and if you wanna create good social content, I think these are great benchmarks for you to use for yourself. Um, so the first question is, would anyone share this? Uh, would they be happy to put this on their Facebook feed or their Twitter feed or would they be embarrassed? Um, it's a simple question, but one that many advertisers don't bother to ask themselves. Um, is it human? Does it have that relatable voice to it, um, that, that voice that really can connect people and inspire conversation? And is it relevant, not just to today, but is it relevant to someone's life in some way? And so if the answer to all of these questions is yes, I think you have a pretty good piece of content on your hands. Definitely. Well, obviously BuzzFeed is doing something. Uh, so yeah. Obviously, BuzzFeed is doing something right because your number one source of traffic is coming from social media content that you've created. Can you hear me okay, Joe? Yeah, sorry, you were breaking up a little bit there. Okay. You're back. Yeah, I, so I said, um, obviously, BuzzFeed is doing something right because your number one source of traffic is coming from social. Totally. Um, so what's in and what's out when it comes to social social content, um, you know, lists, you guys do a lot of lists, you do, you know, the amazing videos, the, the cat video and the, the tide video and the puppyhood video. Sure. Is there anything that's that was working and now isn't that or what is like trending up? So I would say what's not working is having a broad strategy and trying to capitalize on every single outlet for distribution. You know, the, the fundamental principle of traditional distribution is you want massive reach, but the way to get massive reach in the social sphere is not to blast it out to as million different distribution points as possible. It's actually to focus in on a niche, um, a niche group that will then activate and become your focus of distribution. So when you're creating something to create it and put it on um, you know, social media software that, that places links to it on Twitter, Facebook, StumbleUpon, Pinterest, that no longer makes sense. And I, I don't even think that really ever was, the, was a good um, use of your distribution, but it, it certainly was a trend that you would, you would see frequently. And you, you still sometimes see this, people have you know, something like Hootsuite that can blast to multiple networks at once. But um, it's really important that when you are posting to a specific network that you speak the language that they use there, and there are different subtle differences, that you're using the type of content that really um, works there and telling the type of story that people expect there. So for Facebook, you know, having 
stuff that's more identity and, and friend to friend based tends to work better. Um, we've seen real major success in Facebook video with the content that we've created with our partners because those videos are, are very relatable on an identity based level and it's super easy for people to tag each other. Right, so you can tag your friend very quickly. That that share action, there's there's very little friction, um, as opposed to a place like YouTube, which we saw much more success with individual um, videos that that have more information in them or are actionable in some way because people like to go to the YouTube page and then post those links as if they have found something. Um, and for Pinterest, that information-based content is a huge boost. And we've seen a ton of, uh, of Pinterest is actually our second biggest referrer in traffic um, next to Facebook. And the reason is because of all that informational content, it plays so well on Pinterest. And we also think about the life cycle of content. So content on Facebook will probably last about two weeks before it stops cycling in, in the algorithm. But for Pinterest, that cycle is three months. So you have to plan accordingly for, for the content and where it's going to live and how long it's going to live. Wow. Great stuff. Um, what are some of the up and coming uh, social media channels that maybe weren't around a year ago or weren't as popular that you see as coming trending up? Is Pinterest one of them? Oh, a absolutely. I think Pinterest has already hit that level of yeah. becoming uh, a, a huge a huge opportunity for advertisers who want to capitalize on information-based content. That's where it's at, especially when we're talking about CPG brands or brands providing some sort of, of retail service that has to do with food or fashion or anything where people are trying to, to have an aspirational angle to the content. That is the place to be 100%. It's a very visual medium, which, which Buzzfeed also is as well. And, 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 we definitely understand that the visuals really drive sharing in an environment like that. Um, but if your product is a visual product, um, and I don't mean that you're selling like artwork, but, but in a way you are right. Like beautiful food and clothing or things that people want. Um, that's the place for you and you can really thrive there. Um, but there are, it's, it's interesting because I see a lot of trending up of, of things like Periscope and Meerkat which I don't think anyone's really gotten quite right yet in terms of how to capitalize on that to grow your business. They're fun one-to-one -one connections. And on, to be honest with you, I feel this way a little bit about Snapchat too. It's a, it's a tool that's, that's very one-to-one -one and the reach is incredible. Um, but figuring out how to use that environment for telling an advertiser story is still, it's still very much in its infancy, right? Discover as a platform on Snapchat um, is just beginning to become a part of the conversation now. And, and advertisers are thinking about dipping their toes in that, um, but, but they haven't figured it out. And so I would say Snapchat and, and the live stream like Periscope and Meerkat are definitely the hot discussions right now. But no one's really figured out how to use that. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what are some other brands doing it right? Brands doing it right. Well, my favorite one is, is GE. GE has really cornered the market in looking cool through content marketing. I can't, I can't um, praise them enough. The, the work that they've done and the things that they put out are consistently the quality that they want and all ladder up to the story that they're trying to tell, which is that GE makes more than refrigerators. They make the things that power people's imaginations. Uh, and it's, and it's really amazing. It's really amazing to see them do such incredible work and they, 
they jumped on BuzzFeed as uh, a partner very, very early on. And we've been able to do some cool stuff with them. As a result, they were one of the first video partners. Um, they were one of the first partners to do a full scale content execution on BuzzFeed called the Time Machine. Uh, I can send a link to this, which is really nuts. Um, we, we took every piece of, or every vertical of BuzzFeed and changed it so that it was by decade and rewrote a, a series of BuzzFeed posts as if they had existed in those decades. So you could use the GE time machine to go back to the, to the 1970s and be like 15 disco photos that'll show people in high heels with fish, like something like that, you know? And, and, and it, it was a really cool execution for them. And, and they're, they're like light years beyond what most people are doing with content marketing. They have so many different channels and, and the, um, and reports and um, their uh, their their social channels are very robust. They have beautiful imagery. You know, I, I think they just get it. So I can't can't praise them enough. Um, full disclosure: we have worked with them in the past and still do. But but I think that they're really great at it. Um, some up and comers that I think are doing really well. Uh, I, I think that um, there are some slick brands like Netflix and and uh, Airbnb that really get content um, to their to Netflix's credit, I mean, they're a content creator. And it's surprising that some of the content creators out there are um, some of the least likely to work on content marketing and with a, with a publisher, simply because they are content creators and they think that they do it better or they can do it smarter, which in, in some cases is true, but in some cases is not because they don't have the same audience or, or, or reach in the same place. Um, so it's, it's definitely an interesting time to, to be a content creator and then think about content marketing for your own brand. But I do think that Netflix really gets it and they've been doing some interesting things. I think Airbnb is definitely on their way up. They, they recently did a cool execution with the New York Times, which, which you guys should check out. Um, and yeah, there's actually a great web. If you want to keep up with interesting new trends in content marketing, um, there's a website called brandtail.co or .com. I can't remember which one is. I'll, I'll, I'll send the link to you after this. Okay. They do a roundup of just the, the best um, content marketing that's going on, partners and publishers uh, and platforms. And it's really interesting to see. I mean, you, you probably can't even imagine the amount of content marketing that's happening right now. Um, I, because I didn't, I didn't realize it was so prevalent. I mean, it's, it's only been three or four years since that became like a thing that people wanted to test out. And now it seems to be more and more the norm that everyone's at least dipping their toes in it. Sure. So speaking of interesting, so you, you guys, Buzzfeed just got a pretty nice investment from NBC universal, yeah. which kind of a game changer. I mean, it's really taking Buzzfeed to not just this, you know, little, so not that speed was little, but you're not social anymore. You're merging with traditional and traditional is merging with social. What does yep. that say to you where you're talking about the revolution of um, social media? Well, this is, this is what I mean by the, the lines were once very de defined and now they're going to become less defined and they're altogether going to disappear. You know, it's going to be less about digital versus print or traditional TV. And it's going to be more about where the where the eyeballs are, where the distribution can be, where are people consuming things, and how can we engage them in an authentic way there? So what the NBC deal says to me, and and this is a little bit speculation because I wasn't in the room writing or signing anything, <laughs> but what it says to me is that um, traditional media understands what we're trying to do here. You know, BuzzFeed isn't just about making entertaining things or list content; it's also about 
um, creating a sustainable model for the things that we rely on, like the distribution of, of information, uh, quality journalism. You know, we've, we've slowly but um, steadily been building up our, our journalism muscle, and we have all these foreign correspondents that we've that we've poached from traditional outlets because the traditional outlets can't pay them um, as much or keep them in the same places, and so we have all this foreign reporting now, and 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 the continued investment in BuzzFeed allows us to continue to grow that. Um, quality journalism. And that's really a, a core mission for us. And a lot of what we do working on the business end is to ensure the autonomy of our editorial product and allowing these these people to report and find the stories that are important to them is, is important to us ultimately. And so while we, of course, want to tell a fantastic story for our advertisers and, and help them get their message across in a way that's authentic, we're also thinking that by making BuzzFeed a, a profitable business and an attractive business for investors, we can keep our editorial product autonomous and we can keep our journalists um, out in the field and, and doing their best work. Great stuff, Joe. Okay, so one last question for the social media managers that are out there, maybe not working for a huge brand. Any tips that you can give them when it comes to social media content and um, any resources? You gave a great resource already, but any others would be much appreciated. Sure. Um, I would consider a few best practices for creating things in the social space. Um, cadence is really important. You don't want to oversaturate. Um, we have a pretty good formula of how to create BuzzFeed content for advertisers at a cadence that makes sense with promotion on site. Um, that being said, if you think about how much content BuzzFeed makes on a daily basis, it's about 500 pieces of content a day. That's a lot of bets that we get to make every day and we benefit from that. Um, on a smaller scale, I think if you wanna figure out exactly how to maximize your social content output, you just have to look at the cadence at which people who are most notably doing it, do it. Like check out how much interaction the, the Denny's Twitter does on a daily basis and, and benchmark, you know, is that, is that doable for you because I think that they do a really good job of responding to people and being active as a personality, but they also understand that that's not the place to blast out a coupon. You know, that's the place to have a voice and engage. Um, so I would almost say that um, you want to spend some time thinking about brand building on your social channels and, and create the personas that will exist there. Because what the really good brands in, on these specific channels are doing and doing well is they understand the audience. Um, Point. Yeah, yeah. I, I think understanding the audience is probably the best. Yeah, best method. Okay, perfect. Well, if if we want to follow you, what's the best social media to connect and and follow you on? Um, well, LinkedIn. If if you want it to be professional, uh, I I will accept you as long as you make a note that you saw me in this class. Um, my my Twitter is is mostly just me goofing around because I really think Twitter is just for jokes <laughs> and news. And since I'm not a news reporter, I mostly just make jokes. But if, if that would be fun for you, uh, my Twitter handle is at JoeFi, J-O-E-F-I, uh, just five letters. Um, and yeah, I think those are the best ways to get in touch with me. Okay, great. And then the videos that your team is producing for BuzzFeed, is there any certain channel on BuzzFeed or is it just the... Um um, no, uh, if we're doing our job, then the videos that we're producing for BuzzFeed, if they're interesting to you, they'll find you. <laughs> um, but, if, but if you do want to find them, 
Uh, we do have a, a YouTube channel. It's it's just a, our BuzzFeed YouTube channel, and there are different colors that correspond to different interests. So spend some time perusing uh, YouTube.com backslash BuzzFeed and see what might be interesting to you. Okay, Joe. Thank you so much. We really appreciate you um, being the guest interview for our class, and we will catch up with you at a later date, and we'll definitely follow everything that's happening on BuzzFeed. Sounds great. Thanks, everyone. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this episode of Social PR Secrets. If you like what you heard, check out the book on Amazon or follow our blog at socialprsecrets.com. This episode was sponsored by The Buyer Group, a social PR agency striving to keep our balance in the digital world, practicing public relations, social media, and search marketing, while occasionally drinking a glass of wine or two for the best creativity and results. Thank you all for tuning in. If you would like to get a free chapter of Social PR Secrets, go to socialprsecrets.com slash free.